we have this expectation that life's just all up and to the right, that everything's hunky-dory and we're working towards, you know, everything going properly. And we fortunately, I think, don't realise in advance that there are going to be massive hurdles that we have to get through. And those hurdles are amazing learning curves, but they're also bringing us back to gratitude when we can see what's going right in our lives. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, an incredible woman, Megan Wolfenden, is an award-winning businesswoman who used to travel the world teaching people how to build their own business and reach their full potential. She is passionate about education and inspiring people to retire from their jobs and create a successful business and or real estate portfolio for themselves and their families. She's also a two-times Amazon best-selling author. Her first book is called Extraordinary You, A Woman's Guide to Having It All. Her second book is Courage After Cancer. Megan started her career in banking, finance, and the computer industry before relocating from Sydney, Australia to the USA. She built a real estate portfolio, invested in gas, oil, gold, venture capital, and other assets, and learned about network marketing. Her multi-million dollar distribution business operated out of 23 countries, but was definitely affected by the GFC. She now specializes in teaching investment, leadership, and values-based goal setting, and believes that results come through persistently and consistently working on your goals, and most of all, enjoying the journey. In 2017, just days after her 50th birthday, Megan was diagnosed with breast cancer. She now coaches clients and people wanting to restart in the workforce after the big C and the challenges and opportunities that present themselves. You are going to love this week's podcast. I truly believe part of loving oneself is to understand and have control of and feel good about our own financial status. I know that money is a topic that many people say shouldn't be discussed but I want you to know this podcast is a beautiful one, giving us sincere hope and a belief that anything is possible. It doesn't matter what your age, what your financial status, what's happened to you or what's coming. I urge every single person to listen to this particular podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you're going to love this week's show. Please place your comments and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28 or you can place it on the Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, and you can go and put all your feedback there. I truly value and appreciate a five-star rating. You've got no idea what your feedback and reviews mean. It also pushes us further up the search channels that if you know someone who is struggling with self-love or looking to do more around their self-care and self-love, that is how we help spread the message. And of course, you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Get ready. This is an amazing week. And I know you're going to love all the abundance of knowledge that beautiful Megan shares. 
And as you can see, I am super pumped and excited to have this extraordinary soul on our show. Now, beautiful Megan Wolfenden, I know that one of the most important aspects of life is around money and financial abundance and all of those things, but it's one of those things that tends to get put to the bottom of the list. But before we get right into all of the things, health, wealth, and abundance, I would love it if you could explain to the beautiful self-love podcast listener just who you are and a little bit of a brief background so that we can get an insight into your incredible world. Hello, Kim. Thank you so much. Yes. And um, I just want to say that I was inspired by you this morning because of part of my walk, I was listening to the podcast and yours automatically came up. And thank you was the theme. And I wanted to say thank you to you this morning for having me. Oh, such a pleasure, sweetheart. It is really a treat. And I know the listeners are in for an amazing ride. Oh, thank you, darling. I have um, actually had quite a varied background. I started in banking and finance um, by default because I had done a science degree and decided I didn't want to wear a lab coat in my life. So it was a fashion decision to go into banking and finance. And um, it allowed me to really get a good understanding of the finance world. And then was lucky enough to move into IT by default because I was um, selling my husband's services. I was his pimp and he was an IT consultant and that got us to America. And we had an amazing 10 years in the US in Silicon Valley at a beautiful company called Cisco Systems. And uh, we went through the tech boom and then the tech bust there and that was its own learning experience because going through a bust, um, you do put some emphasis on setting yourself up for say, financial freedom outside of work and, and business. So <laughs> that was my first um, tough experience. I accidentally then fell into um, network marketing and that was a, an amazing life experience and we ended up becoming um, the highest uh, income earner in Australia for a period. We started in the US, moved back to Australia, and we had a, a really good run for 10 years. And through no fault of our own, but because we weren't in control of that business, that sort of fell apart. Um, and that was my second financial experience that put uh, more emphasis on looking after myself in um, the you know later years. And just uh, after that, I got cancer. And uh, it was breast cancer. Fortunately, caught it very early and I was very grateful that my mother-in-law made me get tested because she had uh, been diagnosed on the same month, which happened to be 74 days after my 50th birthday. So that was my third financial um, hit in the head. <laughs> so uh, it's meant that um, I've put a lot of... Um, emphasis between both financial and um, living life to the fullest. So that's kind of my story. And now I teach people how to build a portfolio in real estate so that they can be financially free. That's it in a nutshell, Kim. Oh, it's incredible, actually. It's an amazing story. And I know we brush over it when we tell our stories. And I know that when you give a history, it's very easy to just say each occurrence, which I really value and appreciate, but I'm sure every one of us can hear the pain, the agony, the trauma, the climbing up, the climbing through and the coming out the other side. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. But I'd love to go back into then, if your whole experience, three big financial hits, I bet I could almost guarantee everyone listening to this would say at some point there may have been some sort of financial challenge. Either we don't have enough, we've overspent, 
we've got a credit card that's out of control, we've got too much debt. I don't know, but there seems to be with all the things and all the people I've spoken to, very little education around financial wealth and abundance from a very young age. And unless you are born into a family or with parents that really do have a good understanding, you are kind of left out there to fend for yourself. Is that your interpretation of the world? And if so, how do we make this right? 100%, Kim. It's really uh, upsetting when I hear about people's lack of financial plan for retirement. And um, that retirement financial plan can be a backup plan for if you do get sick or, you know, lose your job or something like that. And we don't learn about it in school. It's not something that even, you know, we, we even chat about at school. And then there is no opportunity to get educated unless you have a mentor. So I do recommend people going out and finding mentors or finding people who've been there, done that and had some success because it's not something you want to do on your own. It's, you know, the the trial and error takes too long. (laughs) Take it at the end of your life. So getting a coach or a mentor I think is really, really important. And I must say I started out with Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's an old cliche but I actually was... um, living in the US and my mother-in-law sent me Rich Dad Poor Dad and then I looked him up and found out that he was going to be in uh, San Francisco in about three weeks after I, you know, I read the book. So I went down to San Francisco and took a whole bunch of friends actually. I dragged a bunch of friends down and said, can you go listen to this? And then I became a student of his and that was really instrumental for me as a learning curve, even though I'd been in banking and finance, having somebody who actually was talking more about how to become wealthy or how to build a portfolio or how, you know, get that passive income, that was massive. And I do recommend that book for anybody as well. Do you think then it's a self-learning? I mean, you say get a coach and a mentor, but you and I both know there's coaches and there's mentors and there's coaches and there's mentors. Sometimes, and I can honestly say this to you, I invited my mum to get a financial advisor when she was in her late 40s and the person she chose told her at 40, mid-40s, she's got no hope. The best thing she could do for a financial free future is to marry someone with money. That was his advice. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, I, I gave a lecture for quite a while, Kim, and it was called, and I and I apologise, it's a bit sexist, but the original name of the lecture was A Man Is Not A Financial Plan. And it was so successful because people, women started taking control of their financial future. So how dare somebody tell her she had no hope at 40? I mean, you're just beginning at 40. You don't even start telling you it's super until you're 40, start 40s. That's right. Oh, that must have been devastating. Yeah, it's interesting because I think finding a coach is like finding a friend. It's very important to look for somebody who has similar values to you. And the first person you talk to probably isn't the one. It's a learning process and finding somebody that you um, can gel with. That doesn't mean that the coach isn't going to tell you off or your mentor is not going to say things that you don't appreciate necessarily, but just understanding that they've got your best interest at heart and they've been successful at doing what you want to do. And I must say, as a coach myself, I've had a couple of clients sack me and it's devastating when you're, you know, sacked as a coach. But then I realised I haven't stayed with the same hairdresser, personal trainer, doctor, um, car mechanic. 
you know, any of those, anybody that's providing a service, I've always moved on when I've had enough of that person or I found something better or things have changed. So it is important to do the same with coaches or mentors and really go hunt for somebody that you gel with and that has achieved what you want to achieve. So it's someone that you gel with. It's someone that you have similar values with and it's sometimes a learning process. But for someone just listening to this going, yeah, this is the self-love podcast and she's talking about money. We all know that to do that, and most of us, particularly people that are listening to this, really are probably more emotive types. They really are maybe more in touch with their emotions. The hardest thing I've noticed around money is the minute you get emotions involved, it can sometimes be your ally, but it can also be your worst enemy. So how do we keep our emotions intact, stable? How do we manage our emotions when there's money involved? Oh, great question, Kim. I think you're absolutely right. It comes back to, first of all, having values-based goals. And those goals um, will probably, some of those will take some money to achieve. So money is simply a vehicle to achieving your value ba- values-based goals. And as a vehicle, it takes um, work, it takes time, it takes getting the right team around you. And if you're doing it on your own, and you make a mistake, that can be devastating. So the emotion around money um, does need, you do require somebody who can go through the roadblocks with you, help you understand why you've got that emotion, but also have a plan that is a very solid strategy that's going to take 20 years if you've got it up your sleeve, not five. If you've only got five years up your sleeve, we've got things we can do. But most people have got this nice long horizon where if they just start putting in small amounts of effort, now they can get there. And the emotion has to be um, taken away by having actual action steps that get results. If you're having some downtime with money, it's probably more around the spend and save um, side of it rather than the investing side. So we have to get through budgeting. We have to get through um, the real emotions of it and getting to money's just the vehicle and what's really got to have your emotions is the goals, the values-based goals and the long-term plan in your head, in your on paper really, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But you know what, the amount of people I've met, Megan, that don't even know what their values-based goals are, they've not stopped and taken a moment, they're so caught up in the treadmill of life, they haven't given themselves the opportunity to even think about what they value, let alone what they have goals around. How would you recommend, what's the first step in how we work out what those values and then values-based goals are? Yeah, I'm sure you've got some great um team members that you can recommend helping that people set goals with. One of the good free things I can recommend is the um, Demartini uh, Goals website. He does values-based goals in there and it's free and it's a really good starting point. It's about putting it in your diary to do it. So if you think, oh, okay, I'm going to investigate values-based goals, so okay, I'll take an hour just to read the website, to do some, uh, let's say the Demartini website, If you like what you hear there, then set another two-hour block on a weekend or of an evening when the kids are in bed and actually go and do it. But you have to schedule it in. I think that things that are scheduled in just can happen, whereas if we just think, oh, I'll do that in the future or put it in the intro or put it in the read later box, it doesn't happen. So definitely finding a good values-based 
uh, goals course is important. Kim, do you have any recommendations from um, some of your associates that do goal setting? Well, the cool thing is, and I and I am wrapped that you bring it up, but you know, obviously things like that it can help set a framework around it if you want to do it yourself. But part of the work that I do also is about finding what are the most important things to you, what do you value the most in life, and then how do we go about setting those goals. So that is definitely something I offer as well. But I also love Demartini. I like people like even Anthony Robbins. They've been around for a long time, these guys, and they've got some incredible free resources for people. You only have to search on Google values-based goals or life values, and you will get a whole lot of different questionnaires and different templates come up. So I personally don't think there's a shortage of trying to do it. You can pay for that help and get support and make it quicker, easier, more functional and get people to ask the questions of you that you may not have the skills, tools or resources to know to ask yourself. Or go on your own self-discovery journey. I mean, that is something that I value most about you. You, I mean, I know you had a degree to start with, but then it sounds to me like you went on your own quest, your own desires, just after reading that first book of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I hope that helps. But yes, I definitely think that those goals are the best place to start. You said three things. There were three things. Did did you you not at the beginning that that to find your... Yes, keep going. <laughs> there were probably a couple more, but um, I have been in a position of earning a lot of money over those three times. And um, the first time I didn't necessarily put aside enough thinking about my financial future. And what has become really clear to me in my 40s and 50s is that, um, yes, we have a fantastic uh, safety net in the pension, but we need money in retirement uh, and we can't create it at that point. So I've always looked at how do we put money aside and what do we do with that to then be able to set us up for our financial future uh, when we can no longer work or when we choose to no longer work if we speed it up. And so that's sort of been where I've been working towards in everything that I've done since. We've got to create that cash flow and then we've got to work on how we can create our financial future in retirement. So that's kind of been my motivation for learning and then for teaching other people. And I've got the most satisfaction out of helping people through that and helping them to see the light and see the excitement about what's possible in their future. I think that's one of the biggest things. We all get excited about making money. I don't know if I've met anyone yet that gets excited about losing it. But one of the things I have learned with people with a lot of money, most people that I have uh, met with a lot of money or are successful have in fact lost money. Why is that the case? And are they bigger risk takers? Or is it just something that they know is a part of success, that failure, if that's the word that you want to use, or losing money is part of the growth process? Is that true? 100%. It's part of the growth process. And as I've looked at um, looked back on my life, what I've realised is we have this expectation that life's just all up and to the right, that everything's hunky-dory and we're working towards, you know, everything going properly. And we... Fortunately, I think, don't realise in advance that there are going to be massive hurdles that we have to get through. And those hurdles are amazing learning curves, but they're also bringing us back to gratitude when we can see what's going right in our lives. And it's quite interesting that um, 
if you know, if, I, I was thinking about if everything was going perfectly, we wouldn't work. We wouldn't realize how good things were. And I think with losing some money along the way, like all wealthy people have got a story, and um, uh, and and people who in, in every circumstance have got a story of losing money. And that's just life. That's just one of those learning curves so that when you do have it, you can feel grateful about it and get back onto doing the most with the cash that you have and, and the wealth that you have. And remember, we can't take it with us. So a lot of what we're planning is actually to help other people, whether it's first of all we can um, pay for our own retirement, but then we can start helping our family and beyond that we can start helping the greater community and you know, um, give donations and give our time and all of that once we've started creating that wealth of our own. So I believe that losing money along the way is just simply part of the process. And while it is a pain and a tough thing to do, it's so normal. It, it, you just take it in your stride and know that you follow your program, which you've set up with other people that have helped you, a good team of people. If you keep following your program, you'll get back on top and you'll um, move even further forward because of that learning to the next stage. So powerful and reminders. It doesn't matter what in life, not many of us get through life without what I would call being tapped, whacked, or hit with a muck, a Mac truck. <laughs> so, you know, depending on that level of, of pain, we know that the most important thing we have is resilience, persistence, tenacity, and a determination to keep going no matter what. What is your thoughts then around? money and energy. You said it at the beginning, money is an energy. It's a vehicle for getting us through life. But why is it we have such an attachment on having money? And let me let me reframe this. People with money, if you haven't grown up with a with wealth or with a family, there seems to be this illusion that people with a lot of money are capitalists or they're stinking rich, filthy rich, dirty rich. Doesn't seem to be a lot of beautiful words said to people that have a lot of money. What is that stigma about? Yeah, and I, I recommend reading um, The Millionaire Next Door because in actual fact there are so many people who have set them up, themselves up properly, they just don't flaunt it. And I think uh, it's the flaunting and potentially um, some jealousy and some other things where people have, brought, have, have built up those, the negative language but there's a really beautiful middle class of people who've set themselves up for retirement and now they're out working in the community and um, giving back and looking after their family and not a burden on society. And it's that goal that most of us really want to get to and need to get to where we are completely self-sufficient. The negativity does simply come around the outliers, I think, and we have a tendency to focus on what we're seeing in the media and that can draw that negativity and, and jealousy or um, a difference in values. And I think if we realise that there is values-based, you know, financial independence and that's what we're working towards, it can make us more comfortable with where we're at. I'm not actually saying you've got a dollar value. I'm saying what do you need to be able to create this amazing life where you can help a lot of friends and family and the community? What's that number and how do we get to that number? So it's the emotion around what you can do with money that we need to focus on, not the money. It doesn't matter. It's what you can do with the resource and the vehicle. 
Yeah, it's powerful. And I think we all underestimate the power that we have in that. I have to be completely upfront with you. Danny and I lost all that we had. And when I say all that we had, let's just say that's that's a generalization. We lost the money that we had, our equity, all went in the GFC. Mm. We made a couple of decisions. Mm. We took a few risks and they unfortunately did not pay off for us. That sent my husband yes. into a bit of a spin. As a provider protector, his masculine energy took a, a massive hit. I was wrapped that we still had our health, our marriage, and our kids. But also yes. he had lost his sister to suicide. And mm-hmm. he went on a very big downward spiral of, I guess, self-annihilation, you know, alcohol, drugs, like, and he openly mm-hmm. shares the story. But I just, I just wonder sometimes, do you think there's a different energy between men and women when it comes to what money means to us and how we use that as a level of identity? Oh, Kim, 100%, 100%. In my experience, um, not only with my husband, but with other men in, in my family and in my circles, um, because they have their own internal understanding of being the provider, it can really uh, affect their whole psyche and their mental health when things don't go correctly. And I find that I'm much more resilient. I'll jump on, okay, I'm over that, let's move on, what's next? And um, it was very tough on my husband and he looks at what he missed out on or compares himself to his father or my father or my brother, you know, he wants to compare himself to other people and um, it puts him down and it puts him in a funk if he doesn't feel that he's succeeding. And, and this is despite him building two businesses that have been very, very successful. He doesn't look back on his successes. He looks back on his um, what he hasn't achieved or what he thinks he should have done better. And I do think it's probably more of a masculine trait and I find it difficult sometimes because I want to slap him around and say, yeah, but look at what we do have and, you know, I'm alive and, you know, the kids are happy and we've done this and we've done that and we've been overseas and all sorts of things. But I think it is more of a um, need to achieve. Maybe it's A-types also who just want to get out there and keep on achieving, achieving and reach these high ranks in their mind of what's important. And I think now that we're focused on the long term, like what we're going to do in retirement, it can't sit down a little bit for my husband because he just knows we're plodding along and we're getting to that retirement number and we'll be able to retire at 60 and no problem. But all that led up to 60, there was a lot of years when he had a tendency for depression and other gentlemen in my life have had that same tendency. So we do need to uh, be strong when we can and support our partner and there'll be times when it goes both ways. I do think that that resilience in ladies and the ability to just keep moving forward, maybe for the sake of our children, um, we just keep ploughing ahead. And um, so I commend all the ladies out there who just keep getting on with it, get up, get out of bed and move on to the next goal. So well done, girls. And guys, anyone who's getting out of bed and getting it done, well done. Yeah, it's huge. You've brought up your children. That's another area I'd love to go into. As parents, we want the best for our kids. We sometimes protect, maybe overprotect. Sometimes we give them too much. I had a friend who lost her only child recently, killed tragically in a road incident, and she their, their son was their world. She said to me after he went, just 
just give them everything. Just do whatever you can. It's it's all that matters. Just just keep them, keep them, let them know that you are there for them no matter what. And I know what she was saying. I also appreciate what other parents would say that you can give your kids too much. Is there a too much or too little? How do we actually get the balance right as far as being a parent is concerned? Yeah, I, I had a friend, my one of my bridesmaids lost her son to suicide in 2020 and another lost his son to um, an illness in 2020. And it's um, brought it all home for us because uh, all the kids have had a rough time of the 2020 bit, you know, homeschooling and away from friends and communicating over the internet and not getting out and playing sport. It's been tough on everybody, but children who haven't had as many life lessons as us, it's been really tough. And I don't think there's anything that we can do that's too much for our children unless it's not, you know, in our own health, to our own health. We've got to look after ourselves first, right, for our health. But giving to our children, they'll grow up eventually. If we do a little bit too much for them, so be it. And I've got a 19-year-old and the lady that he's working for, it's a cafe, and she said, he's still a baby, isn't he? I said, yes, he's still a baby. And I'm sort of relying on the community to help me help him grow up. But he's, he's, he just is um, young and immature and hormonal and doesn't get it and selfish. But I'm just prepared to um, – I'm pushing him out of the – best and giving him a lot to, to do that and I have probably have held him back and it's you know potentially I gave him too much and that's why he's a baby but he's got time to grow up and he finished year 12 in 2020 and I'm not putting extra demands on him it doesn't matter if things are delayed by two years for children because we know in the scheme of things those two years it's more important that they're loved and happy and calm and their mental health is okay than anything else in the world. So I don't believe you can give too much to children unless it's unless it's cars and financial and too many, you know, monetary gifts. That's probably not a smart move. But otherwise, the more time, the more love, the more fun, the more attention, game playing we can give them, the better. Do you know, I got home last night from work in my boys and their girlfriends were playing Monopoly. And they're you know, 18 and 19 and I just thought, oh, I was just so grateful. My heart was just overflowing that there are four kids playing Monopoly after dinner. Just beautiful. So we can't give them too much. Mm, I wish my kids play. Every time we play Monopoly, the ball gets thrown, there's tantrums. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't deal with that one. Um, I love it, but no, my kids don't. But it's, it's hilarious. You know, you, you've touched on it, and I hope you don't mind if we go back to it. But here you are. You've been an incredible entrepreneur, an amazing worker. You've been full on. But you, you talked briefly there about being touched with a health issue yourself. Breast cancer is, is one of the biggest um, killers in this country, apparently, and I would just love to ask you, how did you manage yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, all through that time? Yeah. And please let us know how you are now. Well, now I'm great. I'm all good. I'm really good. Um, but I would love to tell everybody, please go and get all the regular tests that you recommended. It was my 
uh, 50th birthday, that's about when they recommend getting checked out. And um, and it was, uh, you know, because of that initial scan that uh, they caught the breast cancer very, very, very early. So please don't leave any of your tests um, for too long. Just go and get your tests because we have a great system um, of healthcare in Australia if, uh, if you do need to have any treatment. So that's just a, don't forget 2020, I know we didn't go to the doctors as much and things like that, so catch up on all of that. But uh, for me, when I first got diagnosed, um, so I was diagnosed in late November uh, 2018. My mother-in-law was diagnosed early November 2018. And I have to say the person I worried about the most was my husband because it was the two most important women in his life that had been diagnosed. Incidentally, my doctor, he's one of my best mates, and um, he got the results for me. And uh, I got home uh, late from a coaching course of all things. I was learning to coach with um, Scott Harris, and um, I got home late from his uh, course and my Dr. Mate was at the front door in it, we were waiting in the car outside the front door. And it was the one and only time I've ever sworn at him because I knew why he was there. And um, so when it first happened, I know we were very numb. And my doctor had already booked every single one of my appointments for scans and tests and talked to people and find out my options. And I moved into get it done mode. I had a checklist of things I had to do. And I had to find out, um, you know, I had to find out everything. I'd do my research. I also knew that in that emotional state, I wouldn't be able to hear what the experts were telling me. So I had to take my husband to all of those appointments with me um, because if, if you end up just hearing, um, hearing like, um, a portion and you don't remember it and the whole thing. So taking that uh, with me was really, taking with me was really important. So once I found out my treatment, I made a decision that I was going to turn up to every single appointment no matter what. And um, it's a weird thing to say, but it was about having this um, direction as to what I needed to achieve and having it like, you know, when you've got a checklist and you just go and do it, it was that. I just did the checklist. I remember I only cried three times and each of those times was about my children not having their mother. And I thought, well, that's not going to happen. I'm going to get over this. I already had a knowing I was going to get better. And so then I had friends around me saying, how can I help? And I realised that my friends wanted to help and if ever there was a time I was going to ask for help, it was now. And I remember having 26 chemo angels. And so a different angel would come and pick me up for chemo each session. And um, then I would have three hours or four hours sitting with that particular friend um, one-on-one. And I took that as the biggest gift. Who gets to sit with 26 of their friends for three hours each over a year period? It was just fantastic. And so... I always felt supported. I always felt looked after. And I just felt if I did everything that I was told to do, that I would get through this. And as it turned out, I did. And I'm very, very healthy now. And I just, it was another time when you just had a checklist and you check off your checklist. So the doing part then created much better, the doing created much better mental health because I had a really good plan. Um, 
So I think I watched a lot of television at that time and relaxed a lot as well. And I always knew that I would come out of this as a coach. So I also had the future plan of what I wanted to achieve. Yeah, I can really appreciate that and I can commend you again. I think that's one of the biggest things I've always done for myself through any crisis is that checklist to me is just my, it's my crutch. It's my absolute go-to. And I think yeah. it's something that we all need. And sometimes we need someone else to write the checklist for us, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I watched you um, be interviewed um, through our mentorship group, which we'll get to in a minute, the Positive Real Estate group, which I absolutely love being a part of. And at one point you mentioned, first of all, that, and you said at the beginning today that, you became one of Australia's top income earners from a multi-level marketing business. There are a lot of multi-level marketing businesses out there and every money book I ever read always says that some sort of MLM or direct selling business is one of the best because or one of the one things that I take from it is that you get used to the word no. You get really clear on what it is you're offering and you get to be a part of a turnkey type of operation where things, the systems are done for you, you just have to literally go out there and sell and be yourself. Is there, you know, still a recommendation from your point of view that MLM, direct selling, um, any of those sorts of businesses, are they still something that you would advocate for people or the fact that you said that you weren't your own boss and in control, is that something you've learned now that you go, hmm, I'd rather do it this way? I believe that it is such a great learning curve, such great education. The key to uh, being successful in network marketing is being in the right team. So it's, again, finding that group that you gel with that that is achieving and has already achieved the results you're trying to get to. So um, unfortunately, it's not about just joining um, an individual friend. It's about making sure that that friend has a great support group above them to get really good results in network marketing. It's so good for teaching you the basics of controlling your own behaviour, how to get into sales, how to talk to people, um, how to have goals, how to uh, set your day up for the most success. Network marketing is incredible and it's actually a really cheap way of doing personal development. Personal development I've had out of network marketing has been phenomenal and I have had some amazing mentors through network marketing as well. I keep in touch with all of my old mentors and I recommend if you can find a product or or a company that you really feel uh, happy with and you love the products and you love their um, head office um, strategy and their way of being, then definitely, definitely get into network marketing. And then follow your system to the T because the system is going to dictate whether you're successful or not. And uh, when people flounder around and they do a couple of weeks of work and then don't do anything for a few months, a couple of weeks of work, that's not going to get success. You have to treat network marketing as the business that it is and really give it some uh, good quality time and give it like time every week and time over a number of years to get that success. I also think that once you've learned a lot of those lessons, if you can take those lessons and build your own business, um, that's also a wonderful, wonderful learning experience. But there's trials and tribulations with everything and I'm not saying that everybody is set up to be a business person, but if you've got a product and uh, it's something that's really needed out there in the marketplace and really wanted, 
then making that into your business is just such a fulfilling thing to do. So find your niche, whether it's in network marketing or as a business person or as a really good employee that really gives you satisfaction, whatever way you um, create that income that you need, uh, be the best at it and make sure you enjoy it. Yeah, nice. I want to then ask you also in that interview, I watched and you said, and you can quote me if I'm wrong, um, that you and your husband owned over 100 properties at one point. Um, Could you explain to us how you did that? And is that still the case? Uh, Certainly. So uh, very early on when we were with Robert Kiyosaki, there was a lot of opportunity. I was surrounded by a lot of people buying properties. I was surrounded. I actually went on a buying tour with Robert Kiyosaki through Scottsdale, Arizona, and he showed us what he was buying. And I bought, uh, I joined some other buying groups in the US and um, my husband and I were on good incomes and we were able to um, buy quite a lot of property. At any one time, the maximum we've had would be 75. And um, not all of those would be houses, a lot of those would be apartments. We did start out with one program that doesn't exist anymore, but the US government was taking houses back from military who couldn't afford the houses usually because of divorce. And then the American government was allowing the public to buy these houses for $1,000 deposit plus a mortgage. And um, so I would put $1,000 in some costs and what have you and turn that into $60,000 in three years. So there was some interesting things that were about that time in history in the early 2000s when things were possible. Now different things are possible. But back then it was, um, I was on a roll. I actually went part-time in my IT job so that I could be part-time in real estate. And it really did, you know, I did need the time. I remember paperwork being horrendous before the internet really took off. Um, And so we did not keep those. We didn't, uh, let's see, we sold all of the big ones in the US by about 2012. And partly that was just too hard to look after properties in the US. And the property managers knew we were overseas and a lot of people paid cash for their rent or paid for rent in favours, which um, <laughs> it was very hard to look after American property. So now all the property that we have is in Australia and um, we're doing pretty well. So we've got about 11 properties now in Australia and um, some of those are new. So we're actually up to 103 properties, Kim. <laughs> I love it. It's so inspiring. And I think let, let's go then into what you're doing now because this is where it's going to inspire and delight a lot of the listeners. Let's talk about how you got involved with Positive Real Estate, the incredible Jason Witten, and all of the things that are going on in this group. And tell us about the team, the environment, what it is that you're looking for, and how can someone be a part of this if this is lighting them up? Oh, thanks, Kim. Yeah, so um, about 13 years ago, a friend introduced me to uh, Jason Witten and Shay Witten, and our boys are the same age, the ones that are finished in year 12 this year. So we got to know each other, and some other friends were buying property with them, and I was looking at a property that they were buying, and it was exceptional property, and I was on realestate.com and domain.com, and I couldn't find exceptional property. I was just finding average properties. So I went to Jason and said, okay, I want a piece of this. (laughs) And I became a client and he 
uh, is the most incredible property coach and mentor for me. And watching their business grow and watching them grow as people in a lot of different areas in business has been phenomenal. And a couple of times Jason had said, come and be a coach for me. And I said, no, no, I've got my own business. I'm all good. And then um, after cancer, Shay Whitten was one of my uh, chemo angels actually. And I was thinking, you know, I don't want to go and build another business. Maybe I do want to be a contract coach and work for Jason. So I went off and did all my coaching and real estate and um, mortgage broker licenses and said to Jason, okay, I'm ready. And um, and uh, so basically he, he took me on as a trainee coach and um, I had just a wonderful experience. So now I coach other people in having a large portfolio that will get them through retirement. And uh, so that's all through positive real estate. They also, I mean, Jason has a podcast and um, there's some really cool things that are available. Um, Is any of it free information? And if so, where can we go to get that? Yes, there is a beautiful podcast called The Urban Property Investor um, and that's by uh, Jason's uh, business partner, Sam Saggers, and it really is incredible information about the Australian market and how to get involved as an investor in Australia and how to set up your strategy, um, how to buy the right properties. It's a really, really important uh, podcast for Australian property. Oh, I think that his podcast is one of the best that I've listened to around that. I love Sam. I love the way he comes across. He's pretty down to earth. He tells it as it is. And I really appreciate what he has to offer. So thank you for bringing that up because I think the urban property investor is definitely uh, a place to go. The name of Jason's podcast. Um, is The Wealth Faculty. That's right. He, yes, he um, interviews successful mostly Australians and finds out what makes them tick but finding out really also the the challenging times and how they've got past those and I know you're in there Kim you and Danny is a beautiful podcast and I really love it because it's very Australian it's very down to earth and it is about that um millionaire next door, you know, and the trials and tribulations that they've been through and how they've succeeded. But what makes them tick, and you'll always see the element of family and community and those value-driven goals, which is just beautiful. You know, it comes back again, doesn't it, always to our values. And our values can change, can't they? Like the more education you get, the more you realise things become important to you. Do you think education is key in the financial world? And if so, apart from Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The Millionaire Next Door, are there any other books or things that you would recommend that we could pick up and just start to get our heads into this to help shift our own values? Oh, yeah, education, it's an ongoing thing. Um, I don't think we can ever stop learning and we also learn through teaching. So once you have a certain level of understanding, it's great to get together with friends and, and have a conversation with friends and start building that friend community as well that's on the same track. Um, lots and lots of different areas of learning. Like you said, uh, the Anthony Robbins and the Demartinis of the world. When it comes to um, property, I would also recommend Sam's books, uh, Sam Sager's books, which you can get hold of uh, on the um, uh, Positive Real Estate website. 
Um, more education. I find that even going to BNI groups and going to the meetup groups that we have, you can find some really special meetups in your area and actually get in with like-minded people. It might take a few groups to find the right people, but I've seen some beautiful groups starting up um, in the last few years using Meetup. And that's uh, usually free or just, the, you know, cost of the tickets, $5 and things like that. Highly recommend that. And uh, there are a lot of great books out there. I'm going to have to send you a list, Kim, and put them on, you can put them in the show notes because there's a lot. Yeah, I agree. And there's so many things. I mean, I know for me personally, um, even a, a woman that was around a very long time ago, Susie Orman was one of the first books that I read around feminine financial independence. And I really love yeah. things. Um, she is amazing out of America. I know that Tony Robbins has a number of books. One is, is titled Money um, at Mastering the Game. And I know that there's people like, I even love the Australian guy, um, Mark Boris, uh, people like that. The Barefoot Investor, I guess, gives you insights into how things can be. But I also really appreciate books that um, develop us from a uh, one of the first books that I ever read, and I can't remember the name of the author, but it was called The Seed Handbook. And it really taught me on how to mind map and how to create the vision and the visual of what it is that I was after. Now, we've taken a lot of hits. We've taken more hits than I can yeah. imagine. And I've been on my bathroom floor many a time where I've just wondered, you know, what's the way up? But I have to say this to you. In the year before, at the beginning of 2020, where as COVID was hitting, many people saw this mm. as a huge, you know, a setback and it has been for many people. One of the things mm. that's blown me away because of COVID perhaps is we somehow magically through a lot of bloody hard work and a bit of luck and a whole lot of preparation got into a property that my business partner said to me, just get something close to the water, always get something closer to the water for us to live in. And I feel incredibly touched and honoured and so freaking proud that that real stretch for us has meant that we've gone up in equity here almost half a million dollars, which has just blown me away. Now with that, rather than sitting there, I am so excited now because of being part of positive real estate, I just feel like we're back on the up. And I would love for you to explain to people how the positive real estate coaching and membership uh, works and how people like us, when you've gone through the depths of despair and feel like there's no hope, somehow there's it's not a stick beating you, but there's a beautiful carrot dangling there that gives you, the only word I can come up with is hope. Could you explain to us about the whole mentorship and membership side of things? Yes, thank you, Kim. Uh, we have lifetime mentoring because we stick with our clients through everything. And uh, that means we you know, do a bit of life coaching along the way as well. And the first thing we do with our clients is go through their goals. Now, it's not a deep values driven in the beginning. It's just what do you need to achieve? How are we going to get you through to retirement and uh, that cash flow? Then we look at your current financial situation. Some people that we work with, we've got to go back to budgeting and, you know, small amounts of savings. It could take five years for them to get to their first property. Other people have equity lying around they didn't even know they could utilise and, and they might have thought, oh, we need to pay off our own home first. 
In actual fact, what we help people do is use some of that equity and then have the tenants paying off some of their investment property for them. So we want you to get the best tax advantages and make sure that you're um, getting the most uh, use out of our current tax system so that you can be buying property and not taking money out of your today's paycheck. It's actually paid by the tenant and taxes. So that means that we'll then work on a strategy for people. Once we know their current financial situation, we'll work on a strategy. And that's when people start to realise what's possible because we're not talking a short-term strategy. We're talking long-term out to what do you want to do when you're 60 and 67 uh, and then moving to retirement and cash flow. And people start to get excited that they've now got a plan that they've never had before. And even if they take just some small steps to get there, they're going to be better off than if they do nothing. Along with that, we've got to do a huge amount of education because there's so much to talk about in real estate. And with every decision you make in real estate, we want to make sure that you're feeling comfortable, that if you're in a party and somebody said, why'd you buy that? You know exactly why you bought it, exactly what it's going to do for you and exactly how long you've got to stay in the market. And we're talking long-term, not short-term. And uh, so education is huge. And then we help people find those incredible properties. As I mentioned before, that's the reason I joined Jason in the first place was they were finding amazing properties. And uh, so... Sam has seven full-time people under him just finding um, properties that are going to uh, uh, go into the long haul and help investors out. So that's part of the service that we offer. And to help people get there, if they just go to Positive Real Estate's Facebook page and find out when the next free training is on, they'll get a really good idea of how to get into that process. Thank you so much. You know, I really think that all of this fuels us and it feeds our our heart, our souls, and it really, I don't know, there's something about financial freedom. I used to put kisses when we wrote checks. I always signed my name and would put a kiss on it. Didn't mean to, but it was just a habit. And then I thought, why wouldn't I kiss people to know that I can pay my bills? I love paying my bills. I love the feeling and the power that comes with being able to pay bills. So I get a real sense of achievement, gratitude, and when I work for every dollar and and sometimes you know I've won you know seventeen dollars off a off a lotto ticket that cost me ten. I'm really excited. <laughs> but I want to say to you <laughs> that part of this is about feeling good about ourselves and there is nothing like money to make you feel bad and nothing like money to make you feel good. What do you believe then is the definition, your definition of self-love? To me, self-love is about treating yourself like you would treat your best friend. I think too many people are harsh on themselves and they would never be that harsh on them, on, on their best friend. So if we treat ourselves like we are our best friend, I think that uh, we're giving ourselves the maximum love that we can give each other. Oh, that's so beautiful. And as a beautiful woman, a mum, a successful entrepreneur, uh, an investor, a coach and all the other things that you do, how would you or what would you say to the beautiful soul listening to this right now? What would be your advice from maybe a, a bigger viewpoint, a universal b- viewpoint around money, health, wealth, abundance and life? What would be your final message to this beautiful group of souls? My final message is relax, ladies. The important things always get done. Focus on your goals and go and create your own magical life. 
You're such a gem. You are an incredible soul. And I'm so grateful that you're one of my coaches. And I'm very excited to share this podcast because I, I do want to say to you, if, if people do want to get in touch with you as being a part of that, how could they get in touch with you? And if they can't get you personally as a coach, I know there's plenty of amazing ones in there, but how can we get in touch with you specifically? Specifically, just send me a message on Facebook. You'll um, be able to find me at Megan Wolfenden on Facebook and I love to catch up with everybody that way. And if you do are looking for a property coach, just go to Facebook to Positive Real Estate and we'll put you on some of those free courses to start with and you'll see if it's the right thing for you. We're so listening to you too. I love your podcast and I think the inspiration that you give to people and that sense of calm that you give people is just truly beautiful and I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. You just listened to my last podcast, didn't you, on on making sure we just, <laughs> just say thank you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that little bit of praise, but I was about to ask you just what's, what's the Positive Real Estate website and you come at me with a beautiful comment like that. Um, what, <laughs> thank you so much. It means the world to me and, and to know that people listen to the quickies and these beautiful interviews. I interviewed an incredible soul, one of my biggest mentors, which I'm really excited about, sharing on the show um, out of uh, America yesterday and he just told me to keep doing what I'm doing and I just thought I would never in a million years thought I would have got him on my podcast. I would never in a million years thought I would have gotten someone like you on a podcast and I just know that the 5,000 or so souls that listen to this are going to get a huge, beautiful, amazing benefit from this and I I just want to say thank you for the ride you've taken, for sharing your journey because I think it's sharing our journeys, sharing these stories that has each one of us see ourselves in those stories and therefore give us that hope and that potential that there's always more to come and that we can have the, the, the resources, the skills, the tenacity, the resilience to get through anything. So just to finish off, my dear friend, um, thank you so much again for being on the show. But just to finish, what would be your favorite quote at the moment? Oh, I said it before, it's relax, the important things always get done. Yeah, what a way to finish, right? Oh, my gosh, I love (laughs) you dearly. Please pass on my love to Sam, Jason, and the whole team there. Get ready to be inundated maybe with some questions. (laughs) And I certainly um, am excited to be looking at our first investment property at some point soon. I really hope so. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for making the time for us and for sharing everything that you are and do. Love you lots, Megan. Love you lots, Kim. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.